One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrooks. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more. The fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18plusbegambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. This is a game day podcast from TalkSport. Hello, this is Sam Matterface with another edition of the Game Day Preview Pod. Wow, what a midweek in the Champions League. After their worst home defeat in 137 years, Tottenham go to Brighton to try and win a Premier League away game for the first time in 258 days. It sounds like a developing crisis, but with a little seaside break, will it revitalise Poch and his pals, or is this the beginning of the end? Arguably, the game of the weekend is the one that no one has chosen for live TV. Brendan Rodgers goes back to Anfield for the first time with Leicester's Flying Foxes. City take on Wolves, Chelsea go to Saints, Burnley take on Everton, West Ham face Palace, Wilders Blades go to Watford, Villa travel to Norwich, United are off to Newcastle for another iconic game of yesteryear where everyone will be talking about the good old days. But remember, as a wise Argentinian once said in the aftermath of a defeat to Bayern Munich, football is about today, not yesterday. After a result like like today, uh, it's so important to stay calm. You are not going to fix nothing shouting or talking or now when the the emotion are uh, on the skin you know wise words indeed our soccer sages this week are david Connolly. i would list his clubs but it would take longer than a var review so i'll say republic of ireland international hello hello how are you doing sam good that was a better one this week wasn't it he was uh talksport international football editor tom rennie is here hello Hey, Sam. Uh, once told us, in fact, he told us only a few minutes ago that he wanted to play for Real Madrid, but he's still waiting for the call and still thinks they might be dying. Unlikely. Uh, right, let's get on board the bus to Brighton. Terrible mistake by Webster, and he's taken down Mason Mount, and a penalty's been given to Chelsea. A heavy touch from the Brighton centre-half inside his own box. He's bearing down on goal, Harry Kane! And a sliver of the goal to aim at. And the England captain finds the corner of the net. There is something wrong at the club. It has been for the, since the beginning of this season. Something is not right. Christian Eriksen, first of all, he doesn't want to be there. He should have been froze out from the start of the season. Pochettino, over five years, he's done a great job. But I, I just feel like it's coming to an end now. I think Poch has lost the dressing room. I think he is a lot to blame. And I think he's gone stale. And quite frankly... I do think we need a change at the top. Munched by Munich, two open against Olympiakos, loose at Leicester. The worst thing about Tuesday night's horror show with Tottenham was the capitulation for me. Poch's admission afterwards that they may have given up a little bit towards the end of their heaviest home defeat in their 137-year history. We talked at length about this last week, but this is not getting any better. You've been in dressing rooms. You've been around teams that are, have had issues. As an outside observer with, with a good degree of knowledge, what on earth is going on here? What does it look like to you? Um, well, where can we start? I mean, there's so many problems here at Tottenham, isn't are there? We over, first of all, are we overreacting? No. Second of all, what do you think the problems are? Oh, there's a, there's a lot. Um, style of play, I think, is one of them. 
the biggest one has to be the players' contracts in the background. That has got to be the biggest one to me. Too many players running down their contracts. Obviously, they I think they feel they've been underpaid, probably, for a good number of years. The likes of Ericsson, I don't know, Vertonghen, Alderweireld. And even if you take your eye off the ball, just 10%, and you're mm. thinking about what you're going to do in the summer, whether or not you're going to move your family to a different city or different schools and stuff like that, even if you're just taking your eye off the ball a tiny bit, it can have this sort of effect? Well, yes and no, but you've got to remember, these are players who have performed to the absolute peak of their powers, right? They reached the Champions League final. You know, now, they might be up against players that on... I don't know, three or four times what they're earning, a lot of them, bar Harry Kane. And, you know, that's a good bulk of their team. Your Danny Rose was left off the uh, pre-season tour. Out of his own choice, though. I mean, I've spoken to him and he's he's been trying to get away for ages. I yeah. mean, he wants to be at a different club, doesn't he? He okay. wants to not play football anymore, is what he wants, I think. He wants but, his retirement and wants to get onto the second stage of his life. But does he, or is it that just because of circumstances where they are now with the manager in charge? I don't know, there just seems a lot of unhappy people down there at the minute how do you solve that and and i mean can you solve that it's funny i've been thinking about this a lot recently and, and chatting to our colleagues who work in our bundesliga team and they keep drawing comparisons to jürgen klopp's final season at borussia dortmund in mm. 2014 where many will remember come the winter break they lost to Werder bremen 2-1 they were second bottom at yeah. that point that team had Aubameyang, gundawan hummels mkhitaryan talents all across it Royce. and something had just gone wrong something that it's so hard to put your finger on, apart from the fact the manager doesn't either want to be there anymore or he feels he's done all he can, and the players stop performing for him. Whether that's the slight drop in performance levels, I don't know. We have seen that with Tottenham. We saw that with Dortmund back then. And what happened was uh, Klopp stayed, got them to seventh, second half of the season, and they rallied. But everyone kind of had the feeling we should have sh- all shaken hands and moved on. Mm. And you watch Tottenham right now, and you watch them from the back end of last season even, going towards that Champions League final. The motivation was there, the organisation was there, the spirit was there. Something has gone. And I think it's because, as Alex Rook mentioned on this show last week, the manager doesn't want to be there anymore. A lot of the players don't want to be there. They've got a wonderful model of keeping unhappy players, but eventually everyone in the dressing room looks at each other and goes hold on, none of us are happy here. So why are we still here? And I think that's what we saw against Bayern Munich. I think one of the key problems Spurs have got is their two most important people, Harry Kane and the manager, are uh, really the only two that have signed long-term deals. You know, everyone else is kind of in a state of flux at the minute. So, and neither of them look particularly happy, let's be honest about it. I well, mean, they're, no. They're, they're pretty revved up. I mean, apparently Harry Kane's got stuck into them in the dressing room. The manager keeps coming out with odd statements before and after matches. I mean, they've thrown away leads against Bayern Munich, Leicester, Olympiacos, Arsenal. They've lost to Colchester on penalties in the cup. I mean, these lost all... is, is lost is they were blown away by Bayern Munich. They, 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 Absolutely, they, they, blown there's some away. of these situations though that where you need to show a little bit of you know you need to show a little bit of gumption about you, and they haven't done that. But this is he where... said to me balls actually. He said to me in the tunnel at Leicester. He said we need to show bigger balls. That's what he said. What you do in the tunnel at Leicester is your business, okay? <laughs> um, but I think with, I think with this side is that some of the great sides we've watched over the years, when they've had their wonder seasons, they've then reinvested. And no offence to Ndombele and the players that have come in, but they needed this summer with the world being their oyster. No one in Europe had looked at Spurs as much as they had in the last three months of last season and they haven't improved again. There's reasons for it. We all know the reasons for it. But I think players have gone, well, I've got to the top of the mountain and just missed the peak. 
it's not going to happen again for us. So, so what you're Why saying is, is we all saw we all saw it coming. Everyone's spoken about this that eventually this was going to end up being the case. Well, no, now we got to that point. We got to wait it out and see what happens. Well, yes, but you got to remember last season they lost the first couple of Champions League games, didn't they? Too. Yeah, so they yeah. didn't get off to a great start. In the, the I mean, they, they were better in the league, though. But, but yeah, when you get through. allied it to obviously, you know, the cup, sure. the league performance, it all just adds up. And I think it's the, 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 the key the is, defeats, yeah, but though, the key, one of the key things I think as well is when you're in that dressing room, I've been in dressing rooms with, you know, you've got your top players. They've got a top player in Christian Eriksen. He's arguably there. Him and Harry Kane, they're two absolute world-class players. Mm. One of them obviously doesn't want to be there. Mm. One of them isn't even in the team, and he'd walk into most teams. He'd probably walk into the Real Madrid team, but he's not in Tottenham's team. We better talk about Brighton because they've changed their style a little bit from from last season. They've had to put the brakes on it because no Trossard, who seems likely to be key to that system. Is there any chance that they can cause a few problems for Tottenham here because they didn't cause too many problems at Chelsea last week until right at the very end when they hit the crossbar from the set piece. Well, yeah, I think that was because obviously they introduced young Conley off the bench and Glenn Murray, so they went for it a little bit more. Very defensive. Look, if they try and play out as they did, I think Tottenham will have joy like they did against Bayern Munich in the first 30 minutes. The problem, I think, for Tottenham is they ran out of gas, as you would against a side that has Coutinho, Thiago, Kimmich, you can go on, Lewandowski, uh, Brighton don't have that. So Brighton, if they go and if they go and play out, Tottenham are just going to take it off and make no mistake. So I, I think Graham Potter just they'd have to be a little bit cautious here, thinking right if I played like that against Chelsea, oh, geez, am I going to play like that against Tottenham? I don't know. I think they're going to come up short. Uh, one thing I will say on Brighton, I did the Newcastle game a couple of weeks ago uh, where they should have won three or four nil. They bossed that game. Fantastic going forward. Couldn't finish their chances off. I think creatively Graham Potter has hit on something. I think he's got players running for each other. I think they know how to exploit the space behind back lines and they're going to come up against a side that have just conceded seven, can't change very much. Maybe Davinson Sanchez comes in for Vertonghen this weekend, potentially, or, or Alderweireld, but can't do both, obviously. Um, and, and I think there's a real chance that the pace that, that Brighton have got could be an issue for, for Tottenham. And also a quick word for Steven Alzate as well, who played attacking front left against Newcastle. He was kind of a wing back against Chelsea in, yeah. uh, in a five. He's uh, a young kid, 21, come from Leighton Orient, not afraid at all to play in big games against big teams. Well, and I think he looks well, very good. One of those who did cause a problem towards the end of the Chelsea game, didn't he, on Saturday afternoon? I just wonder how Brighton will ever change to acclimatise to the Premier League, right? They have failed to score since they've been promoted in 34 Premier League games. How are they going to change that? You look at, say, Burnley. You look at Burnley's goals at the weekend. Two balls into the box, bang, in the back of the net. Pretty direct. I think certainly Brighton's a work in motion, but... It's sort of like it has to revolve. It's evolving. I don't know if it's going quick enough. You know, they've got to be more of a goal threat. I, think, I know, I know I, they brought I, in Mopay, but they Mopay, can't. Mopay, Trossard, I think. Yeah. They, I mean, Trossard. I think they were hoping that he would be fitter, quicker, and have more of an impact with the game he played. He was, he was, he was yeah. superb. Destroyed West Ham. It was Fantastic. absolutely brilliant in that match. Um, but um, he isn't fit and hasn't been fit. They, ha- they are getting David Prupper back, though, this weekend. Yeah. Didn't play against Chelsea. He's important to them in the middle of midfield. He Basuma had to come off at half-time because of a hamstring injury. So he'll be available for this weekend as well. But it is it is a, t- a tough a tough ask for them. Until you remember, Tottenham are on their worst run away from home in the Premier League for 13 years. They haven't won away from home in the Premier League since January. Actually, no one's got anything to say about I mean, that. Is, I mean, it's just that's staggering. Ha- that is half that is the problem, isn't it? That's what happens in the Tottenham dressing room. Potch walks in and says, uh, we haven't won away from him in the Premier League since January, and everyone just stares at him. Where's yeah. my contract? Yeah. Say, half the squad. 
Uh, right, OK, game day on TalkSport this weekend. Brings that match to you live. 12.30 kickoff on Saturday. I'll be there with Reshman Chowdhury and Stuart Pearce. Uh, access on over the course of the rest of the world is available on Premier League Live. Let's crack on. And Dean Henderson has a bright red face of embarrassment. You have to be ready to play your best football. If that's not working out, then you still have to fight for the result. And that's what we did tonight. 5 0 Leicester City. It's a five star showing from the Foxes. They lose a man, and then it's a, it's a real good opportunity to show how you play against 10 men. And I thought the players were excellent at that. But uh, I thought the second half, the appetite and the hunger to press the game, you know, 11 v 10 was was superb and by doing the right things the players got the reward guess who's back he took Liverpool to within a match of the title in 2014 he won everything at Celtic he swaggered to the Premier League with Swansea but for some reason I always feel as if Brendan Rodgers doesn't really get enough credit does he he's quite a nice bloke Brendan Rodgers as well I saw him for the first time after uh, Tottenham Leicester or Leicester Tottenham a few weeks ago I hadn't seen him for four or five years he walked out of the dressing room shook my hands and said Sam nice to see you I thought oh what a nice guy. The charm offensive maybe, is already maybe, working. Maybe, yeah. maybe, he was, maybe you knew maybe the podcast tactic, was yeah. coming up. Yeah. Maybe it's just a nice tactic. I don't know. <laughs> but he's got a wonderful team here. They defend well. They don't create bucketfuls of chances, but they're very ruthless in front of goal. They aren't a counter-attacking side, which they were when they won the title in 2016. They're different. But can they beat Liverpool? Yeah, they can do. It's going to be really difficult, obviously, make no mistake. But looking at the Newcastle game, and it was one player that's gone unnoticed and... He's a lad I played with, and I thought he was absolutely superb. I think he's their best, one of their best signings. That's Johnny Evans. Yeah. Three and a half million pounds he was. Absolutely. Look, he knocked my two front teeth out, which is why they're white and the others are what a bit yellow. What did you yellow. say? Come on. So, well, Tell us that story. It was just in training, to be honest. And, you know, as you go up against each other and I controlled the ball, he came from behind and tried to, I don't know why, I try to take it off my chest. Obviously, if he misses it, he hits me right in the teeth, which is exactly what he did do. Mm. Um, and Your teeth look fantastic now, well, though. They're like yeah. Brendan Rodgers' Not, not teeth. quite as good as yeah. Brendan Rodgers, yeah. yeah. You knew where I was so, going there. It's yes. done you a favour. Yes. I mean, um, this is the battle of the Nashers, isn't it? It is. <laughs> Brendan against Jürgen. He definitely comes out on top. And That's now, why I think it could be the night game. Hey, you play Firmino the in the up. final. <laughs> I think he would play Firmino in the final, wouldn't he, Rodgers? <laughs> Rodgers, Firmino, and Klopp. Get you up there as well. But anyway. Ross some friends. It'd be brilliant. Um, going back to Johnny Evans, what a player. What a player. I mean, he was so good against Newcastle. If I, if I had a camera, I'd show you the little clips about everything he does. So calm on the ball. You talk about counter, they're not counter-attacking. It's because they got players like him at the back. Mm. He was so calm and assured. You know, there was times against Newcastle, he just stood stood still in his own box with the ball being pressed and he just went, went, went wait for the forward to move. When he moved, he then decided what he was going to do. He was so, he was so good. I can't tell you. He yeah. Covers the ground really quickly. Look, Sionko at the minute's getting all the headlines, you know, for filling that void from Maguire. But I tell you what, Johnny Evans is top. I mean, I must admit, I think most people listening will be sitting here thinking when David Connolly says Johnny Evans once knocked my two front teeth out. He's going to get a bit of a better story. Yeah, yeah. I was, was hoping for a yeah. nightclub. I was hoping yeah. for he this wild night in 09. Well, I tell you what, he was, in, he was going out of a girl at Newcastle Uni at the time. So I remember when he was injured, uh, the physio had to go around to pick him up. Well, Johnny, where are you living? Oh, I'm living at this address. He would turn up. He said the place was just full of students lying on the sofas. There'd be takeaway boxes <laughs> everywhere. So he'd be like, Johnny, what are you doing? Now that's like, a better story. Yes. Yeah, there we go. So, um, 
Yeah, he's a really good lad. The moral of the story is that he's a good lad. Okay, I don't think Liverpool were particularly good against Sheffield United last Saturday. Um, they gave a couple of chances, quite a few chances to Sheffield United. I don't think Leicester will turn down. Um, do you get the sense that Liverpool are about to drop points? I'll tell you what's interesting about Liverpool for me is that um, having watched them a few times this season, they seem desperate for Mo Salah to reignite the magic we've seen from him. He has not played badly, which is why it's not a big headline story. But we saw it against Sheffield United. We saw it against Burnley. When the subs come on late, he gets pushed central and they do anything they can to get him a goal, which they did against Sheffield United last week. Henderson made that save to stop it going from 2-0. There's something up there at the moment. Again, this is why football is so interesting to talk about because I can't answer this, but there's something about the front three which is not clicking. And because of that, they didn't create any really massive chances for me against Burnley. The same against Sheffield United, though, of course, late on, they kind of got on top. There's something about it which isn't as free-flowing. And I was reading about Sadio Mane this week. He was kind of dismissing the, the whole Salah um, didn't assist me at Burnley kind of argument in an interview. Uh, and he said, we're all friends and, and all that sort of stuff. But then he said, we want to be scoring as many as Man City. We think we can do that. And that's why we're all a little bit selfish in those kind of situations. But they're not doing that. And they should be. They are miles better than Sheffield United. Miles better than Burnley. Player for player. But they're not doing it. Well, I, I know what Mane's saying there. But I don't think they have to outscore Man City. If they keep it as they did last season, which was their goals against basically in half what it was, they're not going to realistically get that close to City. I don't think in goal scoring. But that's not going to be the deal breaker in the league. I looked at last season. They had seven draws. Five are away. Chelsea, Arsenal, West Ham, Man U, Everton. They turn one of them into a win. They, they haven't won, done they won those sort of trips yet, have they? They no. haven't. But and the they Chef U, hang on, come and done the Chef U was one of them. I think that could have been a draw. It could have been one of those that was a draw, but they just got it over the line. And I think there is something in that, Salah Mane. If you look at the chance where Mane hit the post, well, Salah was it. in, right? He passed it for me now, for him for all. Can I be greedy here? Oh, I better not. Oh, you ever go? Gave it to Mane. <laughs> he hits the post like, oh. David Connolly's tea party. Genie. Just does he do it in that voice? Yeah. <laughs> I could do. I could do that for a bit longer. Um, there's not been as much rotation as I maybe expected with Liverpool's front three. I mean, is he going to have to find alternatives to those in order to keep them sharp over a longer period of time? Bearing in mind the, the relentless number of games that they've got to play. Um, yes and no. Although I think they've got a few extra options in the middle of the park who could possibly, you know, nick him a goal or two. But it's like Leicester. If Vardy's out of the team, who's going to score the goals? You know, Liverpool are, are pretty similar. There's not that much else in reserve, but you could kind of say that about all the teams, yeah. right? You said about Arsenal for Bamiang or... They've picked a style, they go with that style, yes. and they believe that style's going to win the Premier League, and, and seven wins from seven suggest they're probably right. OK, Jamie Vardy loves scoring against the top six. No one has scored more goals against them since the start of the 2014-15 season than him. Just one other thing I'd say. Um, obviously, you know about the throwing coach, right? Yeah. That Liverpool have got. Yeah. So, Thomas Gronemark. Yeah, Gronemark. So Ooh. this is interesting. Um, they were something like 18th out of 20 teams last season in terms of keeping the ball after a throw-in. Right. right. right which is pretty poor for a side that obviously have nearly won the league. Coach. I tell you what, I'll bring in a throwing coach, see if I can improve it. And I think when he did, uh, a few people said, oh, what a, you know, this is stupid, what a waste of time. And now they're first in terms of retaining possession yeah. from a throw. You said this was interesting. I was going to say, yeah. was, was, it is. was that worth interesting, interrupting my Jamie Vardy stat? Yeah. Which, I, which I hadn't quite finished. He's doing Jamie Vardy, one of the most <laughs> electrifying players in English football for five years, and you want to talk about throw-ins. Well, because if you're looking for the marginal, you're wondering, is that okay. going to be enough? Have they got enough up top? Maybe the little... He's you still know, going. Yeah. The still doing it. 
Is there anything still in that? Thrones. No, okay. still, still throwing. No, no, it is. It is really interesting. Just, but just not, just, just as not for us. Yeah. <laughs> What's your favourite chess move, Dave? Tell us all about it. Uh, uh, Leicester haven't won at Anfield since the third of May two thousand two nil that day. Can you give me the goal scorers? Muzzy, is it? No. That was actually the year before at, at home Silver Street. No, he was playing for Liverpool that Steve day. Steve Guppy? No. Matt Elliott? No. Ooh. The other centre-half. There'll be people absolutely screaming at Go their on. pods right now. Tony Cotty? Oh, should have got that. I don't think you would ever have got this. Phil Grillchrist? Oh. No, I wasn't getting that one. No. Should have got Cotty, though. Uh, okay, let's get Alex Crook's take on Norwich against Aston Villa. Fair to say much has changed since Norwich won at Villa Park to seal the championship title just five months ago. Villa will feel virtually a whole different team after spending £130 million in the summer, but they still find themselves in the relegation zone with just the one win so far. What I think will worry manager Dean Smith is that his side are playing well and getting into winning positions, but unable so far to see the job through. Indeed, last week's 2-2 draw at home to Burnley when they were twice ahead means Villa have thrown away a league-high eight points when leading. As for Norwich, well, the perception is they've enjoyed a much better start to the season, but the injury-hit Canaries are only one place and one point above Villa after conceding goals for fun. Daniel Farker's men have seen their goal breached at least twice in six of their seven matches so far, and it will be up to the 35-year-old Michael McGovern to stop that run after Tim Krull and Ralph Farman join the East Anglian side's lengthy list of absentees. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18+, begambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. to Yarmolenko, back to goal, Span popped it in the corner, it's 1-0 to West Ham United, and he scores! Crystal Palace take the lead, Milivojevic, his imperious record at taking penalties continues, absolutely 
no doubt about that one. Live on game day on Saturday on Talk Sport 5.30. West Ham against Crystal Palace across the world with us on Premier League Live. West Ham showed a lot of fight against Bournemouth. Might have benefited from a bit of VAR high bar. Um, Tom really loves West Ham more than he likes garlic bread. David Connolly used to play for the Amers. What happens against Roy's boys? What do you reckon? Um, I think this is a, it's going to be a really tight game. I mean, Palace were, I thought they were fantastic against them as well, particularly Wilf. Um, yep. He was absolutely unplayable at times. Wasn't against he? a poor Norwich, though, with yes. their third choice goalkeeper absolutely. and their fourth choice defence. Yes. And they just beat them because of a penalty. So, Well, yeah, but he's, I thought he still was pretty good. He was the best player on the pitch in a poor game. Absolutely. <laughs> but I think that he would he'd be the sort of one player, I think, out of the Palace side that would really cause West Ham some problems. Or I think looked terrific at the minute. I know they concede they're a little bit porous and, and you know, certainly were. This is the big concern, isn't yes. it? Because Lukas Fabianski, yeah. one of the best goalkeepers in the Premier League, certainly one of West Ham's best players over the last couple of years, He's out. I think it's a massive, massive problem. Looking at three months as well for, for this injury Fabianski's got. And you watch West Ham under Pellegrini. They're so open. Yeah. They leave so little cover for the back five if you include Declan Rice in there. And the other five just go forward, do their thing. Mark Noble can't get back. He's playing a lot further forward these days. Lanzini goes, the others go. And he makes a lot, Fabianski, of crucial, crucial saves. He's athletic. He's commanding. He also isn't a goalkeeper that uh, that plays his defence into trouble, like we've seen for, with Burton Leno and several others. So I think it's a huge loss. And Roberto, who comes in to replace him in goal, I have my doubts. He is a perennial career backup. And that's OK for a week. That's OK for a couple of weeks, for a Carabao Cup. He's got to do it for three months. And those little percentage points is going to be a difference between West Ham finishing 10th to 8th and maybe 8th and above. Yeah, I mean, the worry is that the two goal scorers, well, the last two weeks have probably been pretty unlikely sources, right? Yarmolenko didn't finish at all last season where he barely played. Him and Creswell scored two, more or less two weeks in a row. Yeah, well, he has um, 102 goals separated Creswell's yeah. previous two goals. It was about 102 minutes. Yes. Which is, well, I tell you what, you <laughs> need that around. if Allaire's not really Last week, though, that Creswell shot was going wide, but Nick, come yeah. on, he's got that, and I'm not having that. That was an own goal. I, I, I mean, I'm happy for him to have it, but well, What about sorry, Sebastian Allaire? Because I do like the way he moves. I love the way he holds up the ball. I love the fact that he brings people into play, but he's gone a bit quiet, and he hasn't scored as many goals as, many, uh, as maybe I thought he was going to well look I think that he got off to a really good start I think even if he's not scoring I still think the good thing is he's affecting the game more than say on Outovic would have done yeah. so for example he's a real handful at the back post I think for the first goal really long ball over the top he plucked it out the sky like he scored he scored like that against Watford do you remember a little bicycle kick yep. um, and then he laid it on a plate well nice little pass to Yarmolenko so I think he gives you something if he's not scoring that maybe other forwards don't. But we spoke about Jamie Vardy earlier on, his wonderful record. If West Ham are serious, and right now I am taking him seriously for a real top six run and the way the teams above them are right now, yeah. the four for me is still open. Third and fourth is open for a lot of teams, Leicester including maybe even Palace too. They are combining great home form now with potentially good away form. So they could be in that mix. But I'm looking at West Ham and thinking the, the centre forward must score 15 minimum this season if West Ham are going to make it. And right now we can talk about great assists, we can talk about all of the good things he's brought to the Hammers, but no goals, and, and or minimal goals so far, but no goals moving forward. He was never prolific problem. though. 
No, that is true. He was That's never a support act for Jovic yeah, last year. Absolutely. Wasn't he? Let, let, let's go back to what you just said, though. You, you said that the top four spots are open to a lot of people. Three and four are open to everyone, even Crystal Palace. I said on this pod a couple of weeks ago, but Palace aren't even very good, are they, really? I mean, they're not great to watch. Mm. They're not a brilliant team, but they do seem to just keep digging out the results. Best away form at the end of last season. 2019 has been their year. I think only Manchester City have picked up more points than Manchester City and Liverpool picked up more points than them over the course of that period. They are, they are a, a dogged team. They get the job done. Last week was a game they would not have won last year. Aston Villa at home is a game they would not have won last year. They picked up those victories at Selhurst Park. I think it's unbeaten since the back end of April. I know that's like four or five games, but still, for Palace, winning those games, not losing those games, that's very good. And as you say, away from home, fantastic. They still have that great attacking threat. I think this would be a really decent game. I, I really do. I think West Ham will try to get on the front foot and they will try to win this game in the first half. If they don't, I think Crystal Palace in with a real shot. I think uh, the problem for Palace is obviously that as great as Zaha was, and Tom is, you know, I don't say it too often, but he might have been right. It was against a poor Norwich team. They don't score enough goals, right? So they're limited. Okay, they don't concede many. Certainly Kale has been a great signing, but they don't score many. And if Zaha's not scoring, he might be doing quite well. They're very reliant on penalties. They're very reliant on keeping uh, the score down. And that will be that the issue weekend. for them. Do not be concerned at all because there will definitely be a penalty in this game. Since Palace came back to the Premier League, they've earned more penalties than anyone else. And over that same time frame of six years, who's considered the most penalties? The Amers. Correct. Uh, Right, okay. In the good old days of Fergie and Keegan, this would have been top of the running order. But these two fading forces are falling faster than the pound. Cuts it back now to Pogba. Breaks to McTominay. McTominay! Oh, yes! Oh, yes for Manchester United! Scott McTominay finds the top corner. There's many, many things that we we look at and uh, many things that... Gives me loads of confidence. Looked ungainly, couldn't get the shot away. And then there's a late challenge here. Dennis Pratt has gone down. It's a straight red card for Isaac Hayden. Yeah, very strong words, you know. He was disappointed and so he should be, so should we be. We should hang our heads in shame, the whole lot of us, you know. We were terrible. Uh, We're not like that in training all week, so we shouldn't be like that on on a weekend. Steve Bruce would certainly love it. He'd absolutely love it if they beat them. But Newcastle didn't look like they could beat an egg on Sunday. That said, Manchester United have made their worst ever start to a Premier League campaign. And they haven't won any of their last seven away games. Crikey, they're worse away from home than some of those Tottenham boys. Um, Who will boss their way to the points here? Man United will be the top story in this game, whatever happens. But I, I want to start with Newcastle because they have been on the receiving end of a lot of stick from last weekend, a 5-0 defeat against Leicester. But I almost find that game a bit irrelevant, even the way they gave up towards the end of it, because they had 10 men for such a long time. The game was over. I can almost accept it. It was the week before against Brighton, which I mentioned earlier in the programme, where they were utterly outplayed at home which for me was more of a concern. This team has no driving force. It has no ethos. It has no style of play. There's no positivity on the ball. They need someone like John Joe Shelby to take hold of that midfield. At the moment, he can't get into the team. There's obviously something going on either personally with him or with the manager. I don't want to speculate too much. You can't trust him, can you? You absolutely can't trust him, that's for sure. But you need that guy 
to be able to run that midfield. And so far, they aren't. I would say that if Alain Saint-Maximin is fit, there is a chance because he is a player of quality. Yeah. And he brings more from Jolinton, which we've seen. He brings something from Almiron He has as that well. drive to dart into the opposition penalty area. He carries the ball well. He does create opportunities. But he has been a miss since he's been out injured. But something's got to give here, isn't it? Because Newcastle have been absolutely terrible. Not one at home over the course of the season. Didn't look particularly good last week, but as Tom's already alluded to, even worse the week before. United are slow, predictable. Yeah. They don't score enough goals. Who on earth comes out on top here? Well, you look back at Newcastle, you think, was the result at Spurs? You thought, oh, that might be a turning point. But obviously it was just an anomaly, just a one-off against a side who are really struggling. I mean, I saw Newcastle against Norwich. They were so bad and they just haven't improved at all. They've got a lot of... I mean, where's Almiron's best position? What have they bought him for? Have they bought him know. to play as a number 10 to be the creative spark well, to also get some goals? He has assist yet, has he? Or no, even... not even... A, not, no goal, no assist. Doesn't even look assist. like scoring. No, Jonington, I think... Uh, I just can't see him working out. I really can't. I don't think they've got enough legs or athleticism in their side. And I think the odds on Bruce going have already come down. But who you could know. who could do a good job? Who could do a good job at Newcastle in, in this current position? Yeah, it's impossible. I would argue that Rafa didn't do a particularly good job. He did a perfectly acceptable job with an average squad. Well, if you look back at their start of last season, it was absolutely dreadful, wasn't it? I mean, they didn't win any of their opening ten matches. I mean, they had. I think they've only lost four um, home games at home from the start of the season on four occasions since they were formed in eighteen ninety or something. But th- two of those have come. In the last five seasons. Yeah, 2015 and 2018, it's happened to them. It's, it's and then crazy. it's 1898. I looked at this as well this morning, and 1905 for the other two, which yeah. is incredible. Well, it just shows you how bad the start of the season it has been for them and how rare that usually is. It and hey, how regular it's starting to happen it doesn't, at this Newcastle. And it doesn't get any easier. I think they've got Chelsea. They've sort of got Man U, Chelsea, Wolves coming up. Yeah. So October is going to be difficult with the international break as well. So suddenly you've got to find a way in... to get points there, haven't you? Yeah, like, they in... are tough well, games, but teams do pick up points in those kind of games. How do they do it? Well, under Rafa, they picked up points in games like that. By you going know, ultra, certainly... super, mega defensive. Is yeah. that what Steve Bruce should do? Yes, but he doesn't have the likes of Rondon and Perez anymore who might go and nick him a goal. That's his big problem. I mean, they've lost, and we spoke about this, right, it's numerous times. They've lost half the goals out of their side. Half, they scored 50%, more than 50%, Rondon and Perez. They scored you know? all of their goals between the two of them, didn't <laughs> yeah. they? I mean, so, like, pretty much last season, yeah. they scored all of their games and they replaced it with a guy who uh, doesn't look like he's going to score a lot of goals in Joe Ellington. Almiron clearly has got a, 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 some sort of like writer's block yeah. in terms of goals. Yeah. And they don't create any chances for, for anybody else from uh, even set pieces. Fabian shares probably their most prolific goal scorer. Well, even even some of the defending, Lascelles, for example, when everyone lords Jamie Vardy's movement, I don't know if you saw the goal from Ricardo Pereira. Yeah. So Ricardo Pereira, he's the right back, driving through the middle of the park, right? Jamie Vardy makes a diagonal run. Okay, Lascelles has just got to pass him on. He doesn't track the run. He leaves a massive hole. He leaves a massive hole the size of the A1 for him to prayer just to drive into and bang it into the bottom corner. You're like, okay, Vardy, that was good movement, but it's terrible defending from Lascelles. They'll miss Isaac Hayden as well because of the sending off last week. That was a terrible tackle too. It was stupid. Um, But we should talk about Manchester United. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Do we have to? Well, I mean, well, I, 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 we said <laughs> Can last week. I ask week, you a question about this? Sorry, because yeah. you were at the game. Yeah. Uh, so I was doing the commentary for international partners, but you were there yeah. watching it and being able to absorb it. And after the game, I had a chat to Paul Parker, and we couldn't quite assess the game. We couldn't assess what United were trying to do. Can you break down their performance for me? Because no. I can't. I couldn't work out what either team were really trying to do. I thought it was a very poor game. I read somewhere someone said, 
the day after said it was really intriguing. I didn't think it was. I thought it was a game that really lacked tempo. I mean, having been to some brilliant matches already this season mm. and having been to Tottenham against Leicester, which I thought was well, Leicester-Tottenham, which I thought was a real high-energy match, I thought this really lacked any real tempo, passion, rhythm. Monday both night, teams, anything to do with it? Do you no, think? I just think no. they're both teams that look a bit rudderless, really. I was really surprised to see Rashford play. He needs a rest, clearly. Yeah. I mean, excluding penalties, he's scored with just one of his 36 shots in the Premier League this season. He had an injury the week before. Why picking him again? He likes Mason Greenwood. He's bigged him up. He's allowed Lukaku to go. He said, trust me, I'm invested in youth. This guy's the best finisher we've got at the club. And then he left him on the bench when Rashford's clearly lacking in confidence. I thought that was a silly move. Well, what I think he should have done, and you're bang on, but he should have played Greenwood through the middle and Rashford out wide yeah, just to fine. take that heat off him because I don't think there's some players that really want the mantle of being that number nine, well, he that responsibility. And you know what? He's just better. Just, well, he just play, him on, play him out wide. Take that heat off him. If Greenwood is that natural finisher, and we've seen that, right? We've seen Greenwood take it on to his weaker side. We've seen him score two really good goals, haven't we? So, I don't know. I think he got certainly got those two, those two, the centre-forward and, and Rashford, a little bit wrong. Is there any excuse from that game that we mentioned Rashford looks like he needs a rest? Paul Pogba just back, and he came back against Rochdale in the week and then started the game. Anonymous though he was, but he hasn't played for a while. And, and not going away on the Europa League trip because he's still not 100% fit. He's got this persistent foot injury that they can't seem to fix. Similar story with Jesse Lingard. They lost Wan-Bissaka to illness either that day or the day before, so he couldn't play as well. I mean, should we be giving, and, and I do want to put the boot into Man United because it is so fun for a child of the 90s, but also there's a lot of factors going into that game from Monday where no one's sharp and there's no backup. And I, I don't know if we can fully just say, Solskjaer got it all wrong, he's rubbish, he's not up to it. And no. There is an argument for that. No, no I but... think it's a long-term project. We've mentioned this before. We said it on this programme a couple of weeks ago. There's a long way to go with this. It might even get worse before it gets better. But ultimately, you understand what he's trying to do. He's cleared out all the dead wood. He's got people out of the dressing room that he didn't think were harmonious and weren't helping it. And they've got a longer-term plan. Hey, but his 27 games in charge are the exact same, I think, as Mourinho's. That's yeah. his record. And, and, as Mourinho's final 27. Yeah. <laughs> the latter half of those aren't particularly uh, a good reading for him. He's had a very terrible end to last season and beginning of this one. Um, OK, let's uh, move on. Uh, Burnley against Everton is another game day commentary live on TalkSport 2 from 3 o'clock this Saturday afternoon. It's available around the rest of the world on Premier League Live. Here's Alex Crook. <laughs> Well, before a ball was kicked, I think we all felt Everton should be one of the teams trying to force their way into the top six. But it's been a disappointing start to the season for the Toffees, who sit 15th in the table, having lost four of their last five matches. But while Saturday's defeat at home to Manchester City did little on the surface to ease the pressure on manager Marco Silva, there were reasons to be positive. For a start, Everton registered eight shots on target. That's the most the champions have faced in a single Premier League game in near on four years. And if they can repeat the feat, Silva's misfiring strikers may just get more joy this weekend. For a Burnley side renowned for their defensive stubbornness, I was surprised to learn the Clarets without a clean sheet away from home since January. They're not so generous at Turf Moor, of course, and there are no such problems at the other end for Sean Dyche, with Jay Rodriguez, Chris Wood and Ashley Barnes all in good goal-scoring form in recent weeks. But with both teams struggling for shutouts, I'm predicting a high-scoring contest.
The Europa League hoodoo likely to continue for an ever-increasingly tetchy Nuno Espirito Santo this weekend. But in rotation month, where do we go for City value? Andrew Butler is here from Dream Team. Guessing who might play instead of De Bruyne? Is that our big sort of ask this week? Well, it's uh, Mr. Rotation himself, I think we have to call Riyad Mahrez because he's come back into the team. He's playing really well. His um, last couple of games, he was fantastic. Again, um, last uh, weekend against Everton, obviously um, scored that free kick, which was kind of the turning point in the game as well. And City's form has been, well, as you'd expect it to be, fairly reasonable. And Mahrez is just one of those players that you just look at Whenever they have their squad and you go, oh, well, they've got Mahrez on the bench. Well, they'll be all right. And he comes off the bench and he plays well. And then he gets in the team for a couple of games, gets dropped for a couple of games. But it's he's very happy. to sort though. of manage that as a dream team manager, though, isn't it? Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, De Bruyne being injured does mean that the likes of Mahrez is likely to, to get more of, you know, more of a role. David, David Silva as well, etc. Is, he, is he 100% out, though, De Bruyne? Is he 100%, oh, 100% not going to play this weekend? Because he, he, he he's in my midweek. team and I am loath to take out Kevin De Bruyne. 75. I've taken him out. Well, you don't, yeah, you don't really ever want to take him out if you don't know for certain as well because it's risky business in, though isn't it you know it's, it's tricky but you know it's really up to you is is the case so you're saying he's, he's i can advise you what to you he's do. the only world-class uh, player in westfield ham so it concerns me if i take him out and replace him with somebody else who's that de bruyne Boring. he must play for westfield ham <laughs> Who else have you got in Westfield Ham? Uh, some very talented West players, players from uh, the London Stadium, I'll have you know. Uh, Alaire's in there, useless. Cresswell's in there, not got, so useless. Got you some world points class. recently. Oh, he's done hey? well. Why, aren't, well. why aren't you picking more world-class players in your team? I just mentioned two, didn't I? I okay. picked um, Zinchenko because I thought he was going to tear it up and get me loads of points going forward and ensure that I keep loads of clean sheets. But he's done neither of those two things. Well, Zinchenko's got 27 him? points. He got minus one at the weekend somehow for, um, through, you know, well... Three you you explained to us yellow three, card a three, yellow why. card and conceding one goal leads to a minus one but it's just one of those things where you think oh yeah brilliant they've won 3-1 my players however look they must have all performed pretty well Zinchenko's got minus one but um, I, th- I, I think we should get back to Westfield Ham good name, it's a really good, good name, name. obviously you. a little bit of play on words you've got, you got Westfield yeah. by the stadium haven't you West Ham Westfield Ham must it must take you ages to think of that three it's minutes mate I'm naturally very creative Crikey, have you got a, another throwing story for us <laughs> <laughs> I can find one let's move on to Arsenal against Bournemouth um, Callum Wilson is on fire uh, usually I'd say but he can't wait to get stuck into Arsenal but Bournemouth's record away at Arsenal reads played five lost five so, so, so we've got to be looking at Arsenal players here, right? You've got to be looking at Arsenal players. And one player this week for just maybe a week-long special because Arsenal do have these sort of players that have come and gone down the years. It was uh, particularly prevalent during the Wenger years, um, flash-in-the-pan players. Um, but uh, Bakayo Saka is in the game at 1.5 million. And he's actually Arsenal's third highest scoring player on Dream Team this season because... He's playing in the lot in the Europa League. He, you know, scored a fair few points in the Europa League in the games that he's played, and then he scored five points this week against Man United as well. He's got thirty points. Arsenal just across the board on Dream Team haven't had you know a, a, an amazing time of it, apart from Aubameyang who's got fifty six points. But Saka is or might be that hidden gem that we're always looking for when I come in the studio, Sam. I know you're always looking for one, but. 
1.5 million, maybe he should get in your team. Possibly. He can play left back or left wing or right wing. I think I've even seen him play right back as well. He is a, he's a, he's a talented little lad and he, I think he did all right in the game on Monday night, actually. Yeah, he grew into it, didn't he? he After about 20 minutes. Spots, yeah. Yeah. Well, it was better than Pepe, but I mean, I know that's not really Talk high to me praise, about Pepe, because I genuinely think how many points he's atrocious. He Has he got any points this year? Does yeah, anyone Pepe's, own him? Pepe's got 25% uh, 25 points and he's owned what? by 23.2%. What's he got 25 points? Sorry, 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 Sam. He's owned by 23% of managers in the game. Yeah, yeah. They that's have Pepe. Purely emotional picks. Do people who play think. Dream Team not watch football? <laughs> Obviously not Westfield Ham. He's not in Westfield Ham. He team, wouldn't get he? on my bench. Well, well, there is a bench, but yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, he uh, he's got he scored one goal. He scored one goal. And he scored his penalty, and, uh, well but, and he's been he's been performing well enough to get those um, those seven but points. He, has, he hasn't though. Has no, he? I mean, he can't cross. He can't shoot. He can't pass. Apart from that, how do you enjoy the play, Mrs. Lincoln? Although <laughs> I did say to an Arsenal fan this week, I said, I said, oh, I'm a bit bit concerned about Pepe because he doesn't seem to appear to have, have taken to the Premier League as well as you know the young kid. And he said, yeah, but yeah, but he didn't have a pre season. How long can you make that excuse for? Ah, uh, you could drag that out another few weeks. I Seriously, think. you're yeah, still using it. <laughs> <laughs> At least till the November international break, I think. Uh, what about Bournemouth? Then is there anyone in 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 Bournemouth's squad that we should look at apart from Callum Wilson for this game? Because we just expect they're going to get beaten because well, they have done every other time they've gone there. Well, you'd, you you mean you'd expect they probably will this game is definitely not one for the defenders uh, across the board in Dream yeah. Team. So. Don't let's not let, let's avoid, for example, Diego Rico, who I picked last week, who got one point, um, which is much better than my other picks, uh, which we can skip over or dwell on if you want to. But um, Josh King's in the game at two point nine million. Um, he got ten points last game week. He's up at twenty eight points. Wilson's on forty three points at three point four million, which is point five higher. But to, to be fair with Josh King uh, as well, he wins quite a lot of penalties by getting bought down. Yeah, that is a high possibility in this encounter, isn't it? Uh, completely. I mean, <laughs> you're asking for trouble with Arsenal's defence, and even if they're not being bought down, Arsenal were just seemingly handballing it all over the shop in their own <laughs> area, and. <laughs> The sometimes you get them, them. sometimes <laughs> you don't. <laughs> um, Torreira played in the number 10 role on Monday. Do you get extra points for that? Uh, no, oh. in a similar way. Would we call the... it that, the number 10 role? Well, yeah, Did anyone have a role? Defensive so... midfield player playing as a number 10 just does completely outfox me. In a similar way that Ozil doesn't get any minus points for just completely being forgotten about by, by the manager. Never heard of him. But you know that guy. I, I mean, Meza Ozil. Last time he played, TV was player, in black and white, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, <laughs> you should stop watching Newcastle. Um, but, <laughs> so. That'd be a getting Newcastle's team. That's probably not <laughs> true. Talking of Newcastle, by the way, uh, I, I said I wasn't going to dwell on it. I did tip Fabian Shara at the weekend. Minus five points. <laughs> yeah, Is Fabian. that all we got away? He's got three minus five. <laughs> Fabian Shara. He's prolific. Uh, right. Thank you very much, Andrew. Appreciate you, that. Thank you, guys. And uh, let's get to uh, Watford against Sheffield. United with Alex Crook. It was less dream team, more commentators curse. That was great. <laughs> the fabled new manager bounce hasn't quite materialised for Watford since the return of Kike Sanchez Flores. Despite their gallant second half recovery and his first game back in charge against Arsenal, the Hornets remain the only Premier League team yet to taste victory this season. 
So why has it gone so badly wrong for last season's FA Cup finalists? Watford spent decent money in the summer, but record signing Ismail Assar is yet to fire, while the acquisition of Craig Dawson from West Brom hasn't had the desired effect on their leaky defence. Sanchez Flores has told Danny Welbeck he can fire his way back into the England squad. However, that seems a long way off. The Hornets need to stop giving away early goals as well after conceding first in six of their seven matches. As for Sheffield United, manager Chris Wilder came under fire for his scathing post-match attack on his players after they lost at home to Liverpool live on Talk Sport. Wilder will be hoping those harsh words have the desired effect at Vicarage Road. Frank Lampard takes Chelsea to Southampton. He had a sticky start. People were quickly on to him, but with a calmness and a surety and a belief in what he's doing, they started to get them looking a little bit better. They certainly were better against Brighton last week, uh, a performance which they deserved to come away with three points from. Um, the return of Callum Hudson-Odoi, Reese James and Golo Conte is going to be massive for Chelsea. Keeping him fit is clearly going to be a problem but he is so very important for them, isn't he? Oh, yeah. I mean, what a top player. Um, great to see him back. I thought they were really good. And I think Lampard said after, didn't he? It's the first time really they've sort of played well for 90 minutes. Now, they might have been helped by maybe Brighton, by the opposition. Mm. But still, I thought they were superb. I thought that energy that, that they sort of missed, I think, when Mount was out of the side. And it's interesting after him saying, you know, even Lampard saying, I didn't think Mason Mount would be this good, but he is this good. He's He's made a... Absolutely sensational impact on the team. Itself. He has not not yeah. not just coming off the bench or not being littered into little Carabao Cup games or Euro- European games. Yeah, he is one of the first names on the team sheet now, and he makes things happen. Yeah, so do you remember against up. against Leicester, he pressed. Uh, yeah. Indeed, he got his first Premier League yeah. goal right. Uh, Adam Webster takes a heavy touch. He goes and presses him. He wins makes the penalty. It, he wins Saturday, the yeah. penalty. So he makes things happen. But do you notice that when he did that on Saturday and somebody else didn't do that? didn't follow him in behind, he started giving them a bit back yeah, as well. Brilliant, yeah. So, you know, he already feels as if he's got licence to do that, which I think is great. You know what's great about him? I was watching Deli Alley in the Tottenham game midweek against Bayern, yeah. and I remember him playing with a, a freedom two or three years ago and watching him thinking he's playing utterly carefree and looking fantastic. He was almost just playing in a miscellaneous forward position because he could do that. And that's kind of what Mason Mount is now. Deli Alley now plays with the weight of the world on his shoulders. Mason Mount looks like he's never been happier and that then leads to the leadership role that leads to the goals that leads to the creativity that leads to setting the tone for this team I think if Chelsea are to make it into the top four this season it'll be because this guy steps up into that Hazard role we've not mentioned Hazard for a few weeks we've not mentioned players trying to replace him because it hasn't been a topic of discussion because this guy has done it well two two things Chelsea have actually been able to rely on other people and I don't think the expectation is as high as maybe it could have been if they'd bought in a multi-million pound replacement for Hazard. And also, Hazard himself hasn't had a particularly good start to his life at the Bernabeu, despite the fact that they are somehow top of La Liga. Um, Okay, Uh, Southampton yet to win at home this season. They weren't far too... They weren't too far away from Liverpool when those two met on the opening couple of weeks of the campaign. They took points off Manchester United... With their speed on the counter-attack and the fact that Chelsea are quite open, is there a danger here for Frank Lampard that his team could get beaten by um, Redmond, Bertrand's back in the side, adds balance to the defence? Yes. 
Possibly. Danny I mean, Ings is scoring again. Yeah, I mean, really good to see Ings off the mark. He scored two, didn't he, against uh, Portsmouth and, and obviously got a little bit of confidence from that. But Nicked it, another goal. How were you that night? Were you were you blue or you were red? Oh, you were red because they won. Uh, no, no, I was blue, red and white. Uh, right, uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But um, look, do they have Che Adams fit? I think he'd be a handful for Chelsea. I don't know if he will be. Dejempro is really important for him, obviously. He's got that little bit of wow, that bit of X factor. Yeah. Um, so they certainly got the players to hurt you. Dejempro is going to be back actually in that's, time. Yeah, that might be the one concern for them. They lost Saws in the warm-up last week, so he had a little bit of a rejig in the back four. I think for Hassel... He's a rejig in the back four. That's though, the he? problem. I was just... Hey, what a segue in. Yeah. So that's, the I think, one of the you key issues. symbiotic. Yes, we are. It's like watching one person. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, can he get that right from the off? There's obviously something gone on with Ryan Bertrand. You yeah. know, I went to the game at Craven Cottage when they played Southampton in the cup and apparently you know he didn't really fancy the trip and since then he hasn't really been in the side now he's had to sort of you know swallow it I think Hassel hurt and I think right what's best for the team I better yeah. get him back in at left back and play players in their rightful positions but obviously Saws was missing out so I don't know will they play a back three would they will it was they back play three against back Tottenham four? I think in the start, it was it? yeah so I don't know I don't know if you'll what go was it against back. Bournemouth I don't know. It was a bad night, is what it was. It was a back, th- a back four, a back three, and then a back four again inside 48 minutes. Yeah. I would say on Southampton, I've covered them a couple of times this year, and a couple of my friends are Saints fans as well, and, and I just think this is an extremely functional side with an extremely functional manager. He knows the mechanics of a football team. But what he doesn't have is players unless Redmond has a turn of brilliance, which he has brought out of him, or Janipo is fit, which he's not. Mm. There's no other magic in this team. And I haven't really seen anything in this team to suggest they're going to be anything better than the bottom five. And I've seen nothing to suggest they can beat Chelsea this weekend. Okay, we'll see what happens when Southampton entertain Chelsea at St Mary's. It's time for us to bring you the commentator's curse. Okay, it's time for the commentator's curse. We're going to provide you with a statistical reason as to why a player, club or manager will definitely do well in this round of matches, only to put the commentator's curse on them. Happens all the time behind the mic. Tottenham have come out in this second half with renewed vigour after conceding just before the break. Yeah, you know what happens next. Uh, We'll take one each. Tom, do you want to go first? Yeah, I'd like to do one on Sadio Mane because I'm a man that loves symmetry. Uh, and this statistic, <laughs> statistic has some wonderful symmetry to it. What, what do you, sorry, hold on. What do you mean you're a man that loves symmetry? I like things to be you got a bit of equal on either side. I'm the kind of person that during a game will line up my remotes on the table in front of me to make sure that they are okay. in the right order so either side bedroom, of my eye. So in your do you have exactly the same bedside table yes. as Mrs. Rennie? We have exactly the same bedside table, exactly the same drawers in front. The television goes in the middle. Okay. Uh, the, the bed bedroom. is identical. Oh, you have and a we both TV sleep on top of each other. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> it's all there. <laughs> anyway, here's my stat. Um, if Sadio Mane scores, it will be his 50th Premier League goal for Liverpool in his 100th appearance for the game. This is a lovely energy yeah. between those two. He will also be the 10th different player to score 50 in the competition for the Reds, more than any other club. So there you go. Just a nice symmetry Clean in the stats statistics. there. statistics. I like that. That's so good. it's definitely not going to happen now, basically. <laughs> I'm going to stick with Southampton. I'm predicting another good day for Danny Ings. He scored in a very charged South Coast derby. Twice. Um, He scored against his former club, Liverpool. He scored against Spurs. In fact, 
He's quite literally the small man for the big occasion, just like David Connolly. Um, five of his last six goals in the Premier League have come against the big six. So playing against Chelsea this weekend, Danny, it's over to you. Or David, it's over to you. Oh, Danny first and then David. Then Go for it. Okay, so, I mean, the player we've spoken about who I think is going to get fed up at Arsenal pretty soon if they continue in the same vein, i.e. not challenging for much, is Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. Yes. What a consummate finisher. Mm. Looking back at his goals so far this season, they've had everything. Little clever one-touch finishes like he did against Tottenham, always on the move. Against Watford, love little control and finish. We've seen him from free kicks. Look, he's got the absolute lot, but he can become the first Gunners player to score as many as eight goals in his first eight games since the Flying Dutchman. Or non-flying Dutchman. Or non-flying Dutchman, I thought you were going to say Robin Van Persie, and I was going to go back to Tom's thing about synergy and wonder whether or not (laughs) that he too was going to leave Arsenal and go to Manchester United (laughs) for a year. I tell you what, yeah. That that would would have been a great little bit of uh, stuff we hadn't worked on but came off quite well. We were so close. We were so close to Radio Gold there. That was nearly podcast magic. That was nearly award-winning. We basically just missed the target like Callum Robinson. (laughs) Right, okay, that's it for this week. Uh, I'm off to Brighton. Game day brings you Brighton against Spurs at 12.30 on Saturday on TalkSport. Back-to-back Premier League commentaries feature on TalkSport 2 and TalkSport later in the day. Saturday, we've got Burnley against Everton and West Ham against Crystal Palace. All the big games available outside the UK on Premier League Live. Have a good weekend. Enjoy yourselves. Thank you very much. You too. See you soon. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds, we set them. Form guides, we've got them. Expert opinions, we share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 